All right, so welcome back. We are so glad to have Daniel with us. Well, it just feels so much like there's so much more people just because Daniel has joined us this morning. But before I go into my sermon, I would like to make a clarification. It was brought to my attention and I need to clarify so that I'm not misleading people. It's regarding the stats I shared in my sermon last week. I, I, I didn't say something correctly. I think I rem- most likely remembered it wrongly. I said there's more people who have died from COVID-19 than from World War I and World War II. That is a lie. I'm sorry, I said it wrong. What I wanted to say, according to the report I read, was there's more people who have died from COVID-19 in the U.S. than those who died in the U.S. from World War I and the Korean War, the Vietnam War, and also the Gulf War combined. So that's the actual stats. I don't want to mislead anybody, so I want to clarify that before we move forward. Today, our sermon is called One Blood. And this weekend is a focus on marriage and on family. We've been working through this whole idea ever since the children, right? We talked about children at risk, and then we talked about how the families can be suffering and need, and all can bond uh, from this circuit breaker experience. And as we exit into phase one, I talked about returning to the normal, which is not forgetting the beautiful things that we built in our relationship with our family during this circuit breaker. And to also forgive and let go of some pain or, or misunderstanding or some unhappiness that we've caused to each other during a circuit breaker. So now we're in phase one. And today, we're focusing on marriage. It's really scary. Like You read the stats about a lot of um, countries. Uh, Singapore's stat is not out yet, and I've checked my stats this week, and I'm, I'm sure I remember it correctly, but there's been a, a jump, a jump of about 20% average, 20% average for people who are seeking marriage counseling or even divorce or separation proceedings due to the circuit breaker or the lockdown or whatever it's called, uh, uh, MCO. But this, this forcing people to stay with each other indoors for a prolonged period of time has caused strains in a lot of marriages. And many a time, this is due to the fact that they've neglected their relationship with one another or they've been unresolved resentments that they've never dealt with or they just come to realize how they actually see each other. You know, it's a scary thing how how human beings can be distracted or forget to look at some of the beautiful things that we have in our lives. You know, I like beautiful things. I think you like beautiful things. And one of the beautiful things that I constantly look at during this time of circuit breaker is outdoors, like nature. You know, this is a place I want to visit uh, that is in Canada. I to say, hey, Stephen, uh, he's, he's, he's a faithful uh, online uh, part of SDAC, uh, Canada, man. This is like beautiful. It's called Lake Louise. I hope to visit it one day. Um, Kelly, maybe know where it is? Where is it? You've been there. Wow, I want to go. Okay, okay. I want to go there one day, and it's like, like my dream to actually <laughs> just, just, just go to Canada uh, to, to visit the nature. Uh, it's a beautiful place. And, and human beings are naturally drawn to places like that. I want to show you a few more, all right? Show you a few more. Uh, this, man, I want to go. I don't even, I can't even pronounce the name properly, but Sayas de Uyuni, I think the salt fields um, in Bolivia, in Bolivia, is a beautiful place. Like the mirroring and all that is like, 
One day I want to go there. Of course, photography makes it a lot more beautiful than it actually is. But maybe, you know, I don't know. The actual place could be more beautiful than the photo. I want to go there. Whoever's been there, comments, send me photos. Let me know about your experience. Like, human beings are just drawn to beauty, to drawn to, like, beautiful places. This is one more, one more. I know who's been there. I've been there, the 12 Apostles in Melbourne, Victoria. Um, it is beautiful. Uh, in fact, go quickly because every year one apostle falls. It's like in the scripture, right? Like the martyrdom comes, right? Persecution comes and one, one disciples fall after another. Uh, I think, if I'm not wrong, maybe more have fallen. I hope not. There's only six left. There's only six of the 12 apostles uh, that's left in this place in Melbourne, uh, in Victoria, Great Ocean Road. If you have an opportunity, go there and have a look. The sunset is stunning. It's just beautiful. Um, let me know if you've been there. All right, this, but you know, I'm, I'm weird. I'm weird. Like people are drawn to nature and it's beautiful and they're attracted to it, but I'm actually attracted to this. I'm attracted to this. And you'll be like, James, you're so boring. You're like so anti-nature. I'm not. I love it. But I am more attracted to cities. I'm more attracted to like urban places. This is New York uh, in, in winter. In winter. Uh, before it gets crazy. It's a normal time. Like this is like, I like like the back alleys. I like, I like like when the snow falls, the contrast with the red building. Like this is beautiful. Like, I love it. I love the beauty that's found in this infrastructure, you know. I'm not many people understand that, but I, I, I love it. I love it. Um, we are drawn to different things uh, based on who we are and our upbringing and our cultural uh, molding preference, but we all define it as beautiful. And you know, a lot of times when we start to disregard some things is when we stop seeing the beauty in that thing. Like the city, that the photo I've just showed you is beautiful. But if you, you can also find ugly parts of New York. You can go see and then there's part that's dirty or like the slum part. And then you'd be like, oh, this city is ugly. This city is ugly and I don't like it. Or you can like me in a very normal back alley and a very normal thing that happened every year, snowfall. And you can just go and wow, wow, this is beautiful. It really depends on what you are looking at. What you are looking at. And you know, the same city can have two parts to it. You know, the, the nature that I've shown you, um, the Great Ocean Road, especially I've been there, you could look at the sunset and go, that's beautiful. And then you can see that there's the other part where the seagulls are like attacking you and they're like, oh, that's horrible. Or like the bunch of tourists who just take over the most beautiful spot to take photo. You can look at that and go like, oh, this is ugly. And you discount the whole Great Ocean Road and says, Great Ocean Road is rubbish, it's not nice. But as a human, right, what are you looking at? And I think in this, um, during this circuit breaker period, what have you been looking at in terms of your marriage? Or even before that, during your life, what have you been looking at in terms of a marriage? Have you been trying to find the ugly parts of your spouse to look at their mistakes, to look at what they're not good enough and how they're like not beautiful? Compared to like the wedding photo, come on, man, like you are choosing to focus on the ugliness that all of us as humanity will have. We can't run away from it. But this morning, I would like to share with you a verse that hopefully will remind us of who we are. 
In Acts chapter 17, verse 26 to 28. In Acts 17, verse 26 to 28. I would like to invite you to turn your Bible to Acts chapter 17, verse 26 to 28. It says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined a lot of periods and the boundaries of the dwelling place. People stop there sometimes, but let's not. That they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him. Yes, yet He is actually not far from each one of us. The background of this passage is Paul was going to a new city and, uh, and he was in the midst of uh, the people, and he was trying to talk to the men of Athens, the people in, in Athens, about Jesus, about God the Father. And he was trying to help them relate to God because they have never heard about Him. In fact, if you look at the Scripture, you look at the, the Greek that is found here, there's actually a word that's been added because English cannot not have a clear subject. Um, so, Say in the verse it says, and he made from one man every nation. The word man was actually added. So it should be in italics. It's implied. In the King James and the New King James Version, it says one blood. One blood. Because they just don't know what one by itself, uh, 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 how to describe that. It's like when God described himself, he says, I am. I am who I am. And people are just like, how do you explain that? Uh, and so we, as in English, we, when we translate it, we add a subject to it. But the fact is, if the verse was to be superly accurate and not grammatically accurate, um, contextually accurate, it says, and he made from one, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. That's how the verse should read. You know where the one comes from? This one is the exact same word that is found all the way back in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, is where it was found, the word one. And again, uh, there's a word added there, but it's not really added. It's implied again. It says, therefore, in Genesis 2, 24, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one. And they shall become one. This one here is not talking about a one mathematical single unit. It was talking about two people coming together as one, united as one. They're not becoming the same. No, that's different. Oneness in the scripture is not sameness. And that's what I want to speak to this morning. A lot of time in marriages, in our relationship with people, we want them to be the same as me in their lifestyle, their, their habits, their way of thinking. And I find myself very guilty of that. Very often when I have problems relating to people, it's because I'm like, why can't you understand what I'm thinking? Why aren't you seeing it my way? If only you saw it my way, which is implied, I'm saying my way is the better way, you would work, you would do the same thing as I do. You just don't understand. You're just not thinking in a higher level as I am. You know what that's it? That's pride. That's not from God. That is 
we may justify our way of thinking, our way of relating to, even like base it upon Scripture, but it's pride. It's not driven by love. In the Bible, every description exemplified, especially by Jesus while He was on earth, was never in this way. He never said, think like me. Although He can, He's God. But He always served. He says, those who seek to be first shall be the last. Those who seek to be great shall be the least. Serve one another as I have served you. Have you been serving your spouse? Or are you thinking, no, I, I, me, myself, I need this, you're not giving it to me, I want that, you're not doing that for me. You know the crazy thing is, if we both are willing to humble and submit and seek to serve one another, we both are served in the end. And in fact, this serving will give you more joy, more satisfaction than you ever imagined. But the motivation of loving one another cannot come from us. Because we, by who we are, are not naturally loving. We were, probably were, but we didn't last very long. In fact, our, our ancestor, Adam and Eve, didn't last past chapter 3. It was very easy, it's very easy for us to love wrongly. We don't stop loving. I don't think human beings ever stop loving because we were created to love, and that's who we are, but we just change the person or, or where we project our love. When we were first created, as per God in His Trinity, their love was not self-directed. Their love was others-directed. They directed God the Father, directed His love to Jesus. Jesus directed His love to the Father. God the Father directed His love to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit directed His love to the Father. The Holy Spirit directed His love to Jesus. And Jesus directed His love to, to the Holy Spirit. It was this, in this Trinity relationship that love was fully exemplified. And humans, you, me, your wife, your husband, are all made in this image of love. We're all made to love. But with the story of Eve, you can see that the problem happened or, and it's an example of what problems we face today is when Eve and Adam, she was not by herself, stopped focusing her love on God and she starts directing the love to herself. Let me say that again. The problem with all our relationship it's not that we stop loving. I'm not asking you to love more. The problem with all our relationship from our ancestor, the very beginning, the very problem we have is we start loving ourselves and not God. And he said, hey James, shouldn't I be trying to love my spouse in this discussion of marriage? Yes, but the first thing we have to do is to direct our attention from self in any relationship, not just in marriage, from self back to God, not because God will give us this 
gift called love? No, because God is love. If you want to display Godness or godliness, which is love, to your spouse, you could first receive God into your life. You need to first receive love into your life, then you have love, or else you have nothing that is pure and kind and holy. You will not be able to love in the way that God has designed you to be. Your own love is corrupted. Then you can receive this true godly love. Then you can love your spouse in an unselfish, servitude, Jesus way. And that's where our marriage will improve. That's where our marriage will be changed and transformed because no longer are we depending on ourselves. Of course, if you go for marriage counseling, I do marriage counseling. It is important. The, the rules you learn are important. The strategy you learn are important. The resources that I share, those are good stuff. It reduces conflict and problem. It teaches you how to resolve conflict. But without love and without the proper focus of your love, you will not be able to find any good in all those things. We are all made in the image of God. One of the things that I did while I was studying in uh, Andrews University was that I did a very non-city boy thing. I learned to I show you. I learned to uh, shoot uh, the bow and arrow, and my my teacher, my teacher, my coach, was uh, an avid fan of bow fishing. Bow fishing. So his boat is more awesome than this boat. I I, I don't have a proper photo of his boat. His boat is like a huge. We have can have like six people on that boat, and has like a real engine, not like pedals. It was like a huge boat, and and he'll take me out onto the lake, and he'll teach me as part of my archery learning to, to shoot, uh, to fish with my bow and arrow. It was pretty awesome, right? It's one thing to stand, uh, especially indoors. Outdoors a little diffi- more difficult, of course. Indoors with a target, and you try to align your arrow with the bullseye, and you, I, I can get it. I, I, I'm, I got pretty good at it. But when you go outdoors on the moving boat, when the wind is blowing, and you're trying to shoot a fish that's in the water, I failed miserably. Number one, I forgot about my physics because the water refracts light. So where I see the fish is, is not where the fish is. I keep shooting water <laughs> like, like I didn't get the fish. And he's like, boy, and he calls me son. You know, hey, son, aim not where the fish is, but where you think the fish is going. And we're like, whoa, it sounds so philosophical. It sounds like some Chinese sage, right? Uh, just like so much lessons behind that. But it worked, right? It's just like, I just look at my bow and I go, that's where the fish I think is. I just go, whoop, and then boom. And then he's like, it depends on where the light and all that. But that's like next level, right? I just go basic, where the fish is, where I think the fish is going. I shoot and boom, I got it. Not the first try, not the first try. After like three hours, right? After three hours, I got my first fish, and then we, we, we ate it. Um, so, so that was an interesting experience. But that's like a, a perfect illustration of our marriage relationship. You know, if you aim to love your spouse, you can try, and you will get better maybe, slight improvement maybe, but you will burn out. You'll burn out, and you'll be like, ah, forget this, it's not going to work. And, and, and I'm not saying that marriage won't work when you just love each other, but it's not enough. It's not enough. And you just, when you aim at your spouse, and you're not trying to shoot your spouse, okay? 
It's just trying to like love your spouse, your target relationship, and focusing on doing them good. Uh, you will kind of get the relationship to improve for a little while, but biblically, the principles are clear. That will not help to dramatically transform. I'm not going to talk about improvement. I'm not going to talk about upgrading marriages. The Scripture talks about marriages being transformed by God, and that's where you need to focus your attention, not on your spouse, that comes later, but on God. See, some problems also I, I realize is they kind of not, they don't focus really on themselves or their spouse. You know what happened in a lot of relationships? And this is from the other thing that I've been reading, this article about people who, who are getting divorced in their 60s, in the 60s. And they said it's due to the empty nest syndrome. It's because their kids left the house and they realized Especially Asians, right? I think Singaporeans are like super guilty. Like they just want their kid to be like successful. And so they spend like what? From, from kindergarten, like that's like what? Four years old until they're like 24 years old. 20 years, right? They just focus on grooming and making sure the child has a good education and then learn the piano and learn to swim and become an expert uh, swordsman. I don't know, man. This is like so many stuff they're learning. And then by the end of that 20 years... They turn around and look at that, that person in the house, the other person in the house, and like, who's that? Who's that? You know, this ASDAC, this, this building, last week we were just working on it because we've not really used this building in almost two months or almost three months, right? And when we came back, and you know ASDAC, right? This building is old, and this carpet's been here for 20, since 1999, guys. This carpet's been here for 21 years, same with the carpet upstairs. And you know what this place smells like? It smells like you, your, your clothes, you go jogging, and it's like soaked, and you put it in your bag, and you forgot about it for one week. And then you open your bag, oh, mmm, that smell. Bad. Imagine if you don't wash that T-shirt for 20 years. That bag would have decomposed, right? So this building got moldy and, and yucky and we are going to steam clean and even our chairs, all our chairs, we're going to clean it. We've got professionals in to clean all our chairs and all this carpet and the walls and upstairs, level three, the office, the children room, we're going to do a thorough cleaning. We're going to transform and if I get my way, I will have ripped up all the carpets and replaced it with new ones. We may do that. That's what I'm talking about in terms of marriage. God don't just want you to just like vacuum, right? It doesn't fix the problem. You can't vacuum away 20 years of mold. You're going to do a transformation. And for those of you who are not there yet, for those of you who are beginning to neglect your spouse and only focusing your attention on your child, please don't. The best gift you can give to your child is loving God and having received that love, to love your spouse. And your child will grow up knowing and understanding what love is. And that is the most important gift you can give to your child. Let me go into a bit of science. And it's oftentimes when we look at our spouse or people around us in our relationship, we're like, you know, we can't get along. You know why? Because we're different. Because we're different. We're never, nah, we're just different. But did you know 
that scientific research have shown that the entire humanity, the entire human race, the difference in who we are is only 2%. It's only 2%. In our genetic makeup, we're just different in 2%. And that's all we, there's not that much that's different. When you look at your spouse, I think the 2% involves her being the other gender and her having beautiful eyes and different heights. But it's not in the composition of who they are. It's more about how we are brought up and our experiences and our education that makes us who we are. So if you are tempted to look at somebody and go, we are different, that's why we can't get along. Remember that you're not different. And, and during this time, as a pastor, I have to speak into this situation that's happening around the world. On top of that, the difference in our racial difference, the difference between Daniel Kim and me, is 0.012. It is almost non-existent. The racial component of our genetic difference is 6% of that 2%, which gives us 0.012. Our racial differences is just that little. The bigger part of it is just our culture, our language. In fact, because Daniel pretty much grew up in Singapore, and I spent a lot of my time out of Singapore, we are like same. Our, our time in Singapore, he may be more. I don't even know. I have to ask him. He may have spent more time in Singapore than I am. So when we talk about being Singaporean, like I know for a fact that Ralph Gerber have lived more in Singapore than I have. So who's Singaporean here? Right? The fact that I, have a, I can speak Singlish, that's learned. I have, a, I have a white American friend who speaks perfect Singlish. I didn't teach him. He just somehow attended school with Singaporean all his life. I'm like, you're fated. Like, and then he knew me, right? I'm like, I'm Singaporean. He's like, what, what are the odds? I said, dude, just move to Singapore. This is your home. This is where your, your bloodline comes from. The difference racially between you and I is 0.02. And it holds through. Back to our scripture reading for today. In Acts chapter 17. Verse 26, and he made from one every nation of mankind. Made from one. You and I, no matter where we're from, no matter in Canada, South Africa, Australia, in, in, uh, in South America, we are of the same ancestry. We all came, not from Adam and Eve, yes, from Adam and Eve, but from God. We are all God's children, not even just spiritually. I'm talking about biologically. If you believe in the scripture, our common ancestry goes back to Noah. And from Noah to Adam and Eve, and from Adam and Eve to our father, God. So what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about our life and our situation and how we relate to our spouse and also how we relate to the people of another race. I don't think there's actually another race because at the end of the day, we are all human race. And we, it's easy to just focus our attention on what's happening in the United States and what's happening there. 
But you know, I have to admit that in Singapore, I, being a Chinese, am from the privileged race here. And so I have to look at myself with clear eyes and see, is there other things I, I take for granted? Is, is there other ways that I've been treating people around me uh, that, that may have discriminated against them? And so I challenge you to really take time to reflect and to take steps to make changes in your life, to, to embrace one another, your spouse especially, as a child of God. Only when we focus our attention on God's love and look at people from how He viewed people and the eyes that He has of love towards His child, can we then truly, surely love the people around us. So, as Martin Luther King says, that he has a dream, I will use the acronym of a dream to help us look at ourselves. I hope that the dream you have of a relationship with your spouse and with the people around you, people of the same race, people of another ethnic ethnicity, that you have dreams of rebuilding and transforming your relationship that is inspired by Scripture. Not by media, not by culture, not by tradition, but by the Scripture, the Word of God. Then, the very important step, do a reality checkup. Look at yourself clearly. Like, be honest. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what your mentality and your mindset is. Then, have expectation that as you try to change your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your children, your relationship with your parents, your relationship with the people around you that are the same, and the ethnicity, the different around that are of different ethnicity, different cultural background, that you will have challenges. It's a fact. That's how it is. Be prepared, expect it, then apply the things you've decided in your local context. You don't have to, and you actually cannot adopt what people are doing in the United States, in Europe, in South America, in South Africa, in Australia, in other parts of Asia. You cannot, you have to apply it in, to your immediate local context, and that starts with your household. Number one, apply it there, and as you apply it, then you expand it to others. Finally, in this acronym of DREAM, have measurable subsequent steps. So you need to have a first step. What you need to change, what is critical, what is God-inspired, what is one thing you need to do right now that you can do, and what are the steps that you need to take to continue to change in how you relate to others. You know, in the, the Statue of Liberty in the United States, inscribe on the statue, there's this writing that says, Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Bend this, the homeless tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamb beside the golden door. This was what they were striving for when this Statue of Liberty went up, that it was supposed to be a land for the free, a land where you come to find freedom, to find equality, they're struggling with it now. And they're having a hard time. They're, they're forsaken what they've put up and what they, 
how they started. United States started as all immigrants. They all came there and, and they all, were all of equal status when they first started. They've lost that. You know why? I'm not criticizing America. I'm criticizing humanity. Because it's based on a human effort, human creed, human ideas. It was like the Israelites, when Moses brought the Ten Commandments, they said, we will do it. We cannot. We will not be able to do and hold on to a human creed to live by that. We cannot. We have no ability, no power to sustain it. That is a prime example of what's happened. They've lost it. So we must hold on to what God has told us. Turn with me to the creed from the Scripture. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. This is the creed that I think as Christians that we must hold on to. Jesus, at the beginning of His ministry, right after His temptation, after realizing the humanness, after experiencing what humanity went through, He shared this verse. He was in the synagogue. He stood up, took the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. There was a prophecy about Him and His ministry and His life, and He read it. Verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news, the gospel, to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. And here it is, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Many times we're like, yes, Jesus, I'll hold to your creed and I will do what you ask me to do as per described in this passage. No. Jesus alone can do that. What we first need to do is to receive that. Because you know, you are the poor. You are the person in bondage. You are the captive. You are the blind. You are the oppressed. Then after receiving from Jesus, then go out and do those things, not just spiritually, morally, but actually to the people out there who really need to receive this. Not just the kingdom that is to come, not just God is coming again. That is good and that's important. But right now, there are people around you who you need to minister to, and some of them are in your immediate household. So take the creed of Jesus, don't take the creed of men, and ask God to transform you so they can do that. I'd like to invite you to meditate upon our closing song for today, Because He Leaves.